Layman Chronicles. General knowledge, podcasts and discussions with David, Fahad and Ben. Ideas, subjects and silliness without limits. What the fuck is up, everybody? We're back. The Layman Chronicles. Me, David, and the mighty Benjamin. What up? From a church. Yeah. <laughs> We've uh, changed venues this time for our podcast because uh, Ben is house-sitting, and it's a little bit echoey. And if you're really, really, you know, paying attention, you might hear a dog whimper at us or crunch a bone. Yeah. The hound. The hound. The Cer- hound. Cerberus. But yeah, so yeah, we're back. Sorry about um, we've we've taken a while to do an episode just because I just don't apologise. Well, I have to apologise. I don't. I feel bad. Are you really sorry about it? I am a little bit. Not like massively. Why? Because I don't fucking know. Because I am. What a waste of emotion. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I wanted to do a podcast like all three of us, but um, uh, I just couldn't get it sorted. So now yeah, it's me and Ben. So you know, shit's gonna go down. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> um, yeah. Also, uh, we've got new intro music, so that's another thing. They would have already heard it, wouldn't they? They would have already heard it. Yeah. yeah. Do you like it? You should like it. You will like I it. I just assume everyone loves it. So yeah. yeah. How are you, Ben? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm alright. Uh, just drinking rum and chatting with Ben. Yeah, I'm worshiping <laughs> Satan and um, looking into the esoteric nature of the cosmos. Oh God, you don't. There's no foreplay then, is there? You're just straight into. <laughs> no, that's, you asked how it was, and that's how I'm doing. I had to, I had to do a blood offering to Lucifer earlier. And, why? Um, um, I can't tell you why. It's a secret. It, it's it's something. So th- there's a process that you do. Well, you've actually thought about this in shamanistic magic. Oh God. Yeah, and also I've done something funny. So. Just a, in short, my sister's gone away for a week and I'm looking after this fucking dog. It's yes. a pain in the ass. He's seven months old and he's the size of a horse already. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, uh, what, what breed is he? It's a Belgium something or other. Melwar, something like that. Okay. Yeah, because he's huge for he's seven like months He's like an Alsatian, yeah. But you, you put a picture up on Instagram and I, I thought it was going to be this little cute little puppy yeah. that like, you know, nope. no fucking hell. Nope. That is... A demon. Yeah, he's the hound. And mobbed me the yeah, second I walked in. Slobbered all over you. I've only got one pair of jeans that I wear, and now they're covered in saliva. So, watching the night, I cleaned it off. But you know, yeah. well, give it twenty years, that might be the fashion. Uh, well, we could start that. Yeah. Do you want to start? It? Yeah. Let's start. Okay. It. Fuck we it. Just yeah. take take the hound with us everywhere. You actually can hear right now if we're quiet. He's chewing on a bone. <laughs> Yeah, you can totally hear that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking after this fucking hound, right? And um, my sister is very um, scared of the supernatural. For no reason at all. I, I remember being a kid and just singing the Freddy Krueger song to her. I don't remember what that it is. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Oh, that's song, Three, right. Four. <laughs> I used to know a girl, um, used to work with a girl. She was a psycho, right? And um, she used to walk around just stone-faced, right? Mm-hmm. 
and it was in a restaurant she was a waitress so you've got to imagine you've got to be quite enthusiastic when you're talking to people that you don't know you know you have to kind of oh fuck that you have to play it. a part yeah which is shit and you know it's weird that the customers understand that's what a waitress is doing but mm. you know if you're you don't necessarily need to do that as a technique but she used to walk around just stone faced and we always used to sing to her one two gonna stab you in the face <laughs> three four gonna stab you in the face <laughs> used to go all the way up to 20 that's such fucking Ben lyrics yeah like doesn't have yeah. to rhyme as long as it's got the word face in it. Yeah. Or something that ends in Munyundan. 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 stab you in the faceington. You stab your neck right in the face. Stab you. What was it? We, we thought of a band name earlier, didn't we? Do you remember what it was? Um, yeah. It was something to do with in the face. Yeah, right? it was a uh, kill your blood in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Nobel Prize yeah. for literature. Uh, we're... we're... <laughs> We're patenting that, by the way. Everyone, if anyone fucking steals it, we will know. Yeah, and we'll we'll stab your blood. Actually, no, right wait, in the fuck face. it. You can have it. Like you know, I don't think it'll do you any good, but yeah. No, it's not going to make your band any better. By God. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it might. Well, if they do a shamanistic ritual, can you imagine if there was a band called uh, "Kill Your Blood in the Face"? Like. <laughs> And you, they, you'd get somewhere. And they were on top of the pops. Ugh. Does that even exist anymore? No, it doesn't. Oh, what the fuck? It hasn't done for ages. That, that's, that was always the thing that we used to... And let, let me tell you the story, right? So my, okay. my sister's scared of the supernatural. So every time I come round here, so her uh, husband works nights, yeah? So she's here with the hound and the kids on her own every single night of the week, right? So sometimes I come round here and keep her company. And just before I leave, at around 10pm, I start telling her weird mm-hmm. fucking scary stories, right? try and scare her and she gets scared really easily and she's mm-hmm. always like if you scare me you're gonna have to stay mm-hmm. so what i've done is i have done a shamanistic spell and i've put it in her bed <laughs> so when she gets in For fuck's sake she's gonna see and there's like weird shit in there it's gonna be well funny what, when she sees will that. she even know what that is no, she's gonna know it's no, you. No, no, she, well, the thing is, right? She'll know it's me, but she won't know what it is, and that's what's gonna scare her. Okay. So fear of the unknown. Right. You know the the most primal thing. Well, I was gonna say you probably know your sister better than I do. So I, if you say that's scared, that's gonna scare her. Then. Oh yeah, yeah. it's gonna fuck out. Well. Okay, that's good. She'll be pissed. Excellent. And my dad was like, "Why don't you cut the you're, you're, you're Why don't very, you cut the dog's head off and put it in the bed?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dad, this is not. Let's just take it down a notch." Uh, you're, you're you're a very loving sibling. Um... We're a loving family. Yeah, no, I've, I hung out with family the other day, didn't I? Yeah, you beat, so... <laughs> David said he was going to beat my dad at chess, and I found that hilarious, and he came around like, and no, beat no, my wait, dad wait, at chess. Wait, 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 wait. Like, it wasn't just hilarious. Like, you were crying with laughter at me. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to have to humiliate him. And you're like, no, David, stop. <laughs> and yeah, three, eight, three, four games. I won three, drew the last one, because I made yeah. a blunder. yeah. How's your dad feel about it? A blunden yonder. Blunden yonder. So, yeah, my dad, yeah. Uh, not very good at chess, apparently. He's all right, actually. Like, I've played worse people, like, higher-rated worse people. Yeah. Checkmate in someone in four moves the other day. You know he's, like, 71 years old, right? Well, he's doing all right, then. He's got 71 years of, like, progress to deal with. What the fuck is the hound doing? He's eating something. It's the bone, isn't chair it? leg, or I don't know. He's found something no, it's a bone. heavier and harder than a bone. <laughs> yeah, sorry, everyone. You're going to have to just deal with it. Um... Yeah, your dad made me laugh actually when I met him because uh, obviously before meeting him, I've I've spoken to you about like you know when when I'm talking about like ancient Rome or things like that when I get in those little phases when I go into just talking about history and you know I'm, no one has to be listening I'm just talking at yeah. people. 
you're like, oh, you have to meet my dad and talk to him about that. And I was like, okay. So I was, you know, think of some questions I can ask him. So I thought, what's the best question? I was like, okay, let's. I want to, I want to know what his opinion is on, you know, uh, who's a better, who was a better, you know, military uh, thinker, Scipio or Hannibal? And he was like, well, Scipio because he won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Like, yeah, got nothing more to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um that that is like a testament to why you should always have like um someone around that you can sit and talk to um throughout your your sort of like primary years of your um learning life so mm. from the age of 10 to sort of 25 when most men are retarded because all they're thinking about is sex which um, which doesn't happen before then pardon which doesn't happen before then what do you mean we said up to like 25 what do you mean? Sorry, I misheard you. When you're when you're like I'm doing ten, that thing where I'm not listening. As soon, as soon as you hit puberty at ten or eleven, all bets are off. You, you become sexually active, and your every girl suddenly looks like a target. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you you kind of um, that's predominantly what you're thinking about most of the time. So it's good to have someone around that is kind of uh, knowledgeable that you can talk to about absolutely anything that you're into. Yeah. And um, I always, I've always said this. I've always judged how smart I am by how long I can keep a conversation going with my dad about anything because he knows, like, general, like useless shit, like why are plants green? Do you know, just I don't know the answer, but I guarantee he knows the answer to that question. I used to know it. It's something to do with the 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 visible light spectrum. Like no, the kind he, of would, green. he would say something like because they're not red. Okay. Or they're not blue or something like that. You know, I he, was expecting like a deeper answer than that, but no, yeah, he's not but wrong. To do, but to do with history... It's to do with the light from the star. The, the, the star we, you know, the light from the star that we give off is, for some reason, the green spectrum is where the most, you're going to get the most energy from it. Right. So there could be planets out there with blue plants with yeah. different stars and things. Yeah, like in Swamp Thing. Or black, black plants. That'd be sick. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? At night time, that'd be terrible. You'd be walking into trees all day long. I'd do that anyway. At night, all night <laughs> long. <laughs> swamp thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was another conversation we were having, weren't we? Oh, You've been reading so Alan good. Moore. Alan Moore is so good. See, I never knew, like, I, I, I'm going to assume people know who Alan Moore is, but there's no but I'm just going to assume they know who he is. Well, I always thought he just kind of, you know, wrote, like, graphic novels and yeah. things, like, you know, like Batman, The Killing Joke, and... Mm. Was it Watchmen? Watchmen. Yeah, but no, apparently he writes novels as well. V for Vendetta. And Ben's obsessing over... Obsessing. Over it's Jerusalem. Ridiculous. I've literally... So every night I've got a ritual, go for a wee, and then I masturbate on a page. Yeah, and that's going in the podcast. <laughs> of, um, I'm, I'm masturbating on a page, and then I have to leave it to air dry, because if you close the book, it will stick. the pages will stick together, and you won't be able to read it again. Why, so why you... the fuck are you telling me this and all our listeners? That's how much I like it. Okay. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, I bet yeah. you are. <coughs> what the fuck is that dog doing? Don't worry about it. It's being a dog. <laughs> being it's a being dog. a seven month old dog. <laughs> um so on a, on a serious note, there was um during the nineties there was a top one hundred novels of all time done mm-hmm. by Time magazine or some shit like that. And um the only graphic novel in the list or the only comic in the list was Watchmen by Alan Moore. Now mm-hmm. if anyone's seen the film, it's kind of it's all right. It's pretty good. Like I enjoyed it as a superhero because basically, I remember when that came out because a lot of my friends went to see it. Yeah, and they'd read the novel and they were like, "It's a load of fucking shit." There's a bit where like there's a, like a sex scene or something like something like James Blunt or something's playing. I've never really? seen it. I don't, yeah, you I know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Was it Halo? Isn't music. it? There's a there's a really beautiful girl that's got her boobs out. I'm not paying attention to the music. You see, I would. 
Really? Yeah. Of course you would. Something fucking weird like that. Yeah. I'm listening to like the production and the guitar tone yeah. and like, you know, okay, that's Yeah, and I'm just looking at the tits. <laughs> it's like, she's not really having sex. Those nipples aren't erect. It's, it's <laughs> Goodness, Ben. <laughs> but no, on a serious note, so the comic is, uh, the, the film is actually all right. The film's pretty good. But Alan Moore has got a, a, a very sort of like, a very, very genuine problem with his film, his uh, comics being made into films. He doesn't like it. So if you ever watch a, a film that's been adapted from an Alan Moore comic, such as From Hell with Johnny Depp or V for Vendetta or um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, his name isn't on any of them because he he understands that the graphic novel is a format that should just be kept in that format which is why the Killing Joke cartoon won't be any good well that's what I was about to say actually because we've had this conversation before uh, the Killing Joke cartoon first of all I've never read the Killing Joke uh-huh. I have not even seen the film but I watched a review of it for some reason and uh, it's by a YouTuber called H-Bomber Guy which okay. I reckon you, should, you guys should uh, if you're listening check out it's really interesting even if you haven't seen the film or read the comic but one of the points that he makes in it is that when Alan Moore was writing or when he writes uh, his graphic novels uh, for like a single frame, there'll be like pages and pages of notes about it. And so every little thing in it um, will have some kind of meaning. And the interesting thing is, you know, as you said, when, when it was adapted, uh, the killing joke into, uh, you know, the f- it, was, it was like a, was it straight to DVD or straight to Netflix sort of cartoon? Yeah. They missed out so much shit and so much of the subtleties to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Alan Moore. He's a, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't, that, that, and that's and obviously he's had a lot of issues with DC Comics and stuff like that. But I mean, he started with um, Swamp Thing. Yeah, you told me about Swamp Thing. It's it's seriously in in the eighties he did Swamp Thing, and you know he's this English guy. He comes from Northampton. I actually made a mistake last podcast by saying he was from Birmingham. He's from Northampton. Um, and yeah, no, uh, an American comic company never really sort of employed British writers ever. Um, DC Comics and really? they phoned him up no never he was one of the first and um, they they rung him up and he, he didn't believe it was them so he hung up on them and then they were like no it's actually so first of all they gave him the biggest challenge ever by giving him the most goofiest character mm-hmm. and then he turned this idiot this ridiculous character which was Swamp Thing which was Swamp Thing into a god and <laughs> and simultaneously created the green which is like um the plant life element of uh dc comics which mm-hmm. poison ivy is involved in and things like that yeah i think the dog Riley, we be- can't speak dog <laughs> like we can't unfortunately we fellow- can't speak dog sorry fellow mammal stupid animal <laughs> um and um and he also made constantine created constantine but it's actually the right term the right way to say constantine is constantine named after the Roman Emperor right so but, um, yeah because I actually used to love that film when it came out and then I found out that actually the character John Constantine is uh, meant to be a British guy the film's good though it's alright the film's good I um, used to love it when I was a kid because I, I yeah. well not when I was a kid I was, I was a teenager like because it was like hell and yeah. you know I'm in a metal band and it's all about hell and shit and yeah. I found that really cool no it's a, it's a good it's a, well, I'd love to read like the Hellblazer uh, comics yeah but again they're not written by Alan Moore no, they're not. I no. said they were. No, no, no. Um, Constantine was created by Alan Moore, but the the Hellraiser comics are not written by Alan Moore. It's a so well, the character. Constantine, yeah, so though. so the character 
isn't owned by Alan Moore even though he created it. So there's a really good video on um, YouTube of Alan Moore going to uh, a protest in London where loads of people are wearing a V for Vendetta mask. Fucking mask, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's something that he created because during in the 80s, that, that comic is like this dystopian sort of Orwellian... Well, it's massively Orwellian, yeah. Yeah, um, about, you know... Uh, and this is why Alan Moore is such a, like, a prolific writer because he predicted that there was going to be this security state-like thing going on in the country and then... Police state, sort of. Yeah, police state, yeah. Uh, with cameras on every corner and things like that where every move's going to be recorded and obviously since then it's become ridiculous now where, you know, they've got ways of um, recording your number plate and shit when you're driving all over the country. Yeah. So it's not just cameras but, you know, what he said was going to come true came true. But that's... But I, I think he borrowed a lot of that from Orwell though. Yeah, too... Yeah, but he, he specified exactly what it was. I mean, Big Brother has been something that Orwell did. He created it. But Alan Moore obviously took that Orwellian-esque sort of thing from it. Yeah, but the surveillance thing as well is an Orwellian thing. Yeah, but in London with like, you know, tele... So what I would say is just read it and you'll see, yeah, it's Orwellian and he's taken an Orwellian thing, but it's kind of like saying that um, um, every alien movie is like War of the Worlds. Yeah. It's kind of like that. No, of course. It's like an analogy. Like, it's very specific. I guess what I'm trying to get at is what ideas are Alan Moore's and what ones are George Orwell's. Mm. I guess the concept of like a totalitarian sort of state, like, is kind of... well. Obviously, totalitarian states are a thing, but like yeah. in in that sort of vein, you know, mass surveillance and it was very Orwellian. But yeah. what what part of that would Alan Moore really in Viva Vendetta? What 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 was his spin on it? Um, that you know, it was there was a. Um, it's been so long since I've read that comic, dude. <laughs> it starts so it's it's basically like a fighting back against the government sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not as extreme as 1984. Um, so, for example, you can watch whatever you want on TV, but the government is not not to the point where they're at Big Brother status yet, but they're very much like, you know, there might be a curfew, there's cameras yeah. on every corner, you, you know, there's experiments on people that can't afford to do things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, 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 the lesser people in society are treated like lesser people in society and not treated like people. You know, and that's yeah. that's where that character V comes from. That's his whole thing. Well, yeah, that's very... I mean, you can you can kind of tell why a lot of, like, sort of anonymous and, you know, protesters yeah. wear that mask. Because there, there, the, there, there is an aspect of that. Yeah, I mean, it's all well and good. I mean, I bought a mask. All well and good. It's all welly and good. <laughs> Um, that was good, man. Um, Fucking awful joke, Ben. No, it wasn't. It was clever. Like, was it? To, yeah, to be able to identify a pun that quickly, I'm impressed. It I happens very that. rarely. Man. Yeah. Like, okay, that, no, no, that, that one's for free. That one's for free. Out of ten, I'll give that a, a solid nine. I'll give that about five. Well, you would say that because you're self-deprecating. No, I just think that's... Don't we should silly. move on. <laughs> no, don't be silly. I was going to say about actually George Orwell. Have you ever read uh, Homage to Catalonia? Oh. oh, mate, it's so good. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, it's about uh, George Orwell's experiences during the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. And it's, hang on, I'm just putting my drink down. It's, um, it's all about, like, sort of this, if anything, it's almost like a warning 
of this sort of uh, revolutionary kind of fervor and things and the real the realities of warfare and you know obviously george orwell went to spain to fight fascists and you know there's this kind of uh, romantic view of what war is like where you know these revolutionaries fighting against fascists but most of the time they're just freezing to death on mountains and shit and starving and just looking for cigarettes and firewood um I, I, all I can say is just read it. It's, it's really good. and Because it's George Orwell as well. It's, it's so amazingly written. And it's, you know, I, you know, I, I, I react better to sort of uh, non-fiction than I do fiction. At the moment you do. Well. Give it time. No, yeah, of course, give it time. But like, I have been reading a lot of non-fiction recently. So, obviously the last one was Ulysses. At the moment it's Moby Dick. And I'm actually rather enjoying it. Good. It's very cathartic to read. Um but I wanted some non-fiction to read, and I wanted some history, and yeah, the obvious choice would be um, Homage to Catalonia. It's really, really fucking good, and it's really readable, and it's just like, yeah, it's George Orwell's, a, you know, he's, he's one of the greatest writers that ever lived but for how a reason. Fucking, no, yeah, but it's not just a good, see, this is something that, this is something that people need to understand about writers. They're not, the, the greatest writers aren't just writers, they're fucking gangsters. Gangsters. Right, no, but how fucking gangster do you have to be to be like... I dislike fascism so much, I'm going to go and fight in a war. There are some people that are doing that at the moment. You know, you've got loads of uh, just normal... Going over to Syria. Yeah, going over to Syria and Iraq and fighting with, yeah. uh, you know, the, the YPG, the Kurdish armed forces to fight ISIS. And But that's a very blurred line. I mean, I'm sure George Orwell didn't have that issue back then. Fascism was fascism. But well, there's I a mean, blurred line in Syria at the moment about whose side you should be fighting on. Kurdistan. Hey. Kurdistan. Okay. In my head. Yeah. Um... But I agree, that's, I that's, agree. That's a different kind of subject. But I think the interesting thing would be if you, you know, any of these, you know, just normal, like, you know, you read these stories about um, uh, British citizens that have gone to fight with, uh, you know, the YPG in Kurdistan. And it'd be interesting to see what their experiences are like, you know, because yeah. I think the thing that <laughs> dog is. Go on, dude. This, uh, you know, the story in Homage to Catalonia is about how warfare is, uh, it's not glorious. It's dull. It's horrible. It's yeah. bleak. It's nasty. And it'd be interesting to ask these guys who, if they come back, you know, from fighting with the, uh, the Kurds, what it is actually like. Whether it is, you know, this, this you know, we're, we're fighting against the jihadists and it's all this glory thing, or whether it's actually quite boring and nasty and horrible. I imagine I know what the answer is. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've ever read an account of a war. Well, I, mean, I don't think I've ever read an account from any conflict ever where they're like, this was fucking awesome and we had a really good time. And, you know, we were... We there was one person in the First World War. Who was that? I can't remember his fucking name. But he fought in the British World War and he's like, yeah, it was a bloody good time, you know? Oh, well, yeah, that was a little bit different, though. <laughs> that, because, that was I mean, one was individual new, I can but think But it was of, new. Yeah. So I'm talking about... There's a guy called Sebastian Younger and he wrote a book called Tribe. And, um, oh, you've spoken to me about that before. Yeah. yeah. And he says, it's not necessarily the war that people miss. It's the camaraderie. So you, you, you're forming friendship and bonds with people, yeah. male and female, under the most strenuous circumstances that a human can ever experience. And that's warfare. Yeah. You know, you're standing in an alleyway and, you know, you fall over and there's a chance you're going to get sniped and someone grabs you out of nowhere and pulls you to safety. You know, they actually cared about your life enough to go into the line of fire to save your life. Normal people don't experience that shit. No, they don't. And, and you know, that includes us, but... I think a lot of what I've read from, you know, soldiers that have come back from Iraq or Afghanistan, even Vietnam, um, 
the same thing they've you know that they've they've had one of the main struggles they've had dealing with society again you know, dealing with normal life is that, yeah. that that brotherhood that camaraderie yeah, yeah. is not there you're not in those situations um it's a it's a, it's a fucked up thing um Humans are complicated, though. I mean, it's not as simple as going "war's bad, end of." It's not that simple. There's there's human emotions involved, and scenarios involved, and political agendas involved, and it's just it's a mishmash of all these things. And to bro science that is, you just can't bro do it. Science. No, you can't do it. Though. No, that's I mean, a good term. I was. Uh, that's... You, you just can't do it. I mean, some people enjoy like there's a there's an MMA fighter called Tim Kennedy, and he's in the UFC, but he's you know he's enlisted again to go fight ISIS, and. Some people have, you know, purposefully given themselves injuries so they so they can leave war zones because it's not the type of thing that they thought it was going to be. It's not Call of Duty. I think the thing is as well, like they're, they're, we're talking about this whole kind of like you know romanticizing warfare. Yeah. All the kind of um, conflicts that are going on at the moment that you know uh, British armed forces or US armed forces are involved with aren't really like straight up wars it's not like the second world war Skir- no, they're skirmishes they're insurgencies yeah and insurgencies are very very different uh-huh. um, game theory we could talk about game theory well no that, that, that I'm just going to say on a, on a short note that's game theory because what you're dealing with are um, I mean you know what game theory is if, if anyone that's listened hasn't heard yes. of it basically in a nutshell it is you know, you've got an imposing force going over to Syria, for example, and um, their objective is to either win or lose. Yeah? Yes. But if they lose, okay, they've lost a certain amount of soldiers and, you know, the, the, the whole death toll and everything else is uh, terrible. But in the end, they get to go home as a, as a force. They get to go home and they, yeah. they don't lose anything else really about it. Um, but the Syrian people that are fighting, they've got more to lose because that's where they live. You know, that's their land. Yeah. True. And that's, that's why they lost the Vietnam war. That's why Afghanistan well, has yeah. never been successfully invaded by anyone. Britain, well, America, Russia. Yeah. The, the Vietnam thing was, as you said, game theory, the United States went in with thinking overwhelming firepower and, yeah, yeah. you know, carpet bomb, places they shouldn't be bombing like yeah. Cambodia oh my god like thanks the, Henry Kissinger yeah Henry Kissinger is a asshole. fucking arsehole but um, that, they, they, they were playing that game yeah but the Viet Cong were playing a very different game, they, different they, game. They, they were playing insurgency yeah yeah and if you go into insurgency with full on force you're going to fuck everything up and that's what happened in Afghanistan and in Afghanistan one of the big debates that happened in when Obama came to power, so like around 2009-2010, the debate was whether they should adapt a counter-insurgency tactic, which is what the kind of most of the generals that were, uh, you know, wanted to adapt. So that's fighting against the Taliban and uh, trying to almost sort of, uh, I don't know if it's nation building, I don't really know if that's the right term, but it's a counter-insurgency. You're, you're fighting the Taliban, yeah. but the Obama administration wanted to do counter-terrorism. So that's just going after Al Qaeda, and I don't know how many Al Qaeda fighters are in Afghanistan right at the moment. Not that many, but they were. You know, Obama's whole uh, ethos was to, you know, forget about the Taliban for a minute. We need to go after Al Qaeda. We're yeah. wasting too much manpower. We're too many people are dying for the idea of nation building and a counterinsurgency. Mm-hmm. When the real enemy we should be going after, who are an actual threat to our way of life is uh, Al-Qaeda. Um, I don't know where I sit on that. 
personally. Like, I think, you know, the Taliban being in control of, of you know, for example, like Helmand province and things like that, and which they still are, to be honest. Yeah. Um, the, the Taliban are a repressive group and a totalitarian group. It'd be great to see them go, but it depends how much blood... Uh, we want to shed to get rid of them well, it it's a difficult question want... it's not as easy as like these are the jihadists they're the bad guys yeah. we go in and kill the bad guys it's so much more fucking complicated yeah, it's like you and take... Afghanistan's a wild west man it's it's mental it's, fucking, it's gangster dude like I mean there, uh, there's a, an author called David Ignatius and he's written some fucking good shit like I, see I like I, I kind of like action novels novelays novelays and um, but they have to be written well so I like Tom Clancy stuff Tom Clancy is a pioneer like his early shit is very good but you know since getting into like Russian literature and romance and shit like it's just, it's just not on that level anymore but David Ignatius has written some really good books and he's written a book called Body of Lies and it was turned into a film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Russell Crowe I recognise the name and there's a there's a a scene in that where Russell Crowe is like the head of part of the CIA or some shit and he's in an office and he's trying to sell his peers this operation that he's got planned and he says, um, we're fighting people from the past. And yeah. he goes, it's all really cool. You know, we've got this wicked tech and stuff, but it's only cool. Our, our tech is only very effective if they send email, if the enemy sends emails and, you know, um, uses drones like we do. They don't. They It's all word of mouth and oh, yeah. phones that are burners. Well, and- that's why Iraq was uh, such a fucking uh, travesty because... You know, game theory. We weren't playing that game. We no, didn't I mean, think about that. Like to, to, the only way you can win a game is if you're playing by the same rules. Exactly. And if you, but you're not you, in war. The, the best thing to do is just okay. You're playing by that rule set. Then I'm going to play by this rule set. Okay. Well, that's where the counterinsurgency thing comes yeah, yeah. in. So if you guerrilla warfare. If you wanted to defeat the Taliban, you need to get involved with the community and things like that and you know the thing the Taliban kept saying to you know Afghan the, the you know the Afghans that were living there were like these guys aren't going to stay around forever yeah. and when they when they go we're just going to come straight back yeah and the whole idea was to you know build up the Afghan forces so they could uh kind of counter the Taliban a bit but it, as I, I'm talking about Afghanistan a lot I know but I just it's the one thing I know about um and you know, in well, Afghanistan, it's a, it's a big subject. Well, yeah. Well, the, 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 you go to like some parts of Helmand Province and things like that. Like uh, a lot of people don't even know there's a war on. Yeah. Like uh, it's 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 just it's a very secluded country, mm. and uh, yeah. So I can't remember what the main point of the conversation well, game was theory. Now. But you game know, we're theory, talking yeah. we're talking about a terrain here where no one no one's ever conquered it. I mean, there's a really famous picture my dad told me about. He was like, if you ever want to learn about Afghanistan, that's the impression of my daddy sounds exactly like that. If you ever want to learn about <laughs> Afghanistan, yeah, there's a picture of, from the 1800s when the British Empire tried to invade Afghanistan. Oh, we fucked. Yeah, we got massacred. Well, and there's a, a massacre picture, at one point. Yeah, there's a picture of just the last soldier with the British flag wrapped around. It's it's a, obviously a painting. It's probably yeah. massively fucking romanticized. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really sweet that we can finish each other's sentences like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, said that word like three times now, romanticized. Yeah, but that's the word I was going for, so it's good that you could tell that. Um, okay. Yeah, and he's surrounded by whatever the Afghan forces were called then. I'm not sure what they'd be called in the 1800s, but um, yeah, he's just like, I am the last British soldier. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I find that whole sort of, this idea, like, what's that, that First World War poem? Poem? Fuck knows, dude. Oh, fucking hell. I don't know one single, maybe Mary Had a Little Lamb. (sighs) No, there's a really famous 
Fuck, I've forgotten it. You have to forget. Like, I, I can't remember it. But about this whole idea of like to die for one's country is a great thing. And I remember a quote. I don't necessarily know if I agree with this or not, but Gore Vidal said once that, you know, you know, <laughs> the dog has brought the bone right to the cage. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry, everyone. You right there, Riley? If That's you, it. You if, fuck if, off, if you dog. Could, like, make more noise. That'd be really good. That's right. He's just going to chill on okay, it. Good. Um, but um, yeah, the idea of dying for one's country. You know, I mean, there's a quote from Gore Vidal where he's like, "That being a good thing." He's like, "No, it's not. It's surrendering to everything that's terrible about our society." You know, like young people going away and dying for patriotism fuck that essentially like well yeah i kind of agree but who who's the the leader of the labor party at the moment what's his name jeremy corbyn right jeremy corbyn he refuses to wear a poppy and i think that's massively disrespectful does he refuse to wear a poppy yeah because he doesn't agree with war cool no one really agrees with war i swear he does wear a poppy uh no I'm gonna Google that. Okay, Google it. Because if I'm if I'm wrong, then I owe him a massive apology. Because I think he's a dick just for that. Let me have a look. That's enough to make me think that you're a penis. Hmm. All I'm finding when I type in Jeremy Corbyn poppy is like stuff like Jeremy Corbyn disgraces blah blah blah. It's all like. Express, The Telegraph, Daily Mail. Like. Just tell me if you can find one picture on images on Google of him wearing a fucking poppy. Okay. <laughs> Showing him one. Oh, shit, okay. <laughs> then I apologise. Yeah, I mean, it's... Then I apologise. Okay, I apologise, yeah. I don't know where I heard it. Yeah, I don't know where I heard it, but, you know, for someone, let's just say, let's just take, I apologise, Jeremy Corbyn, if you're listening. <laughs> You've got fucked up teeth, though. So, um... It's rather ad hominem there, then. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> what am I, an intellectual? You should. Well, yeah, you kind of are. Not really. No. No, 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 no. If someone tries to get intellectual with me, I'll just do a double-leg takedown and choke them out. It's fine. Fair enough. Yeah. That's, um, that's reasonable. To, to not wear a poppy is so fucking disrespectful because, you know, like, I don't agree with war and shit. It's not really the point of it, though, is it? Like, the point is, you know, exactly. to uh, you know, remember people that have had to die yeah and how history would be different if the first world war didn't happen oh my god yeah yeah thank you (laughs) Gabriella Joseph you fucking arsehole Gabriella Princip Princip that's the one yeah who's Joseph I have no idea Giuseppe I don't know Princip yeah Gabriella Princip who, by the way, is a person that shot Franz Ferdinand, but everyone already knows that. Not the band. Not the <laughs> fucking band, no. Where are they now? Hey. I put up a picture on... Uh, I said, where are they now? But I put up a picture on my Instagram the other day of like, me when I was 14. <laughs> fucking hell, right? Yeah, I saw that. I saw that picture. Me, like, I'm 14 years old, yeah. I got a Johnny Truant shirt on. Yeah. Remember them? Trivium. No, not Trivium. Who? Fuck that. Johnny Truant. Oh, Johnny Truant. Yeah, I love Johnny Truant. No. No. Yeah. I saw them so many times live. I've seen a few times. The, the, I remember the vocalist having this weird sort of stance where he had his ass. Yeah, he like had his bum out, out, didn't he? Yeah, he was clearly a golfer. Golfer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's got good golf posture. I assume yeah. that's what you mean. Um, but uh, I met him once. Like, after, Did you think he was a little bit abrasive? What, personally, when I met him? or Yeah. Well, when I met him, I was pissed out of my mind when I was at uni in Brighton. Yeah. And he was just waiting around. I was like, I know you. You're a Johnny Trent. And he was all very like, meh. 
Yeah, Do you know what his name yeah. was? Ollie, Ollie Truen. Ollie, I knew a girl that fucked him and she was so proud. She was like, I fucked Ollie Truen. And oh, I was like... Goodness sake. Okay. Right down your gravestone. Yeah, well done. But, um, yeah, I, I can't remember. I remember him being quite dismissive. And I was wearing a shirt of a, a band from Canada called Final Flash. They're like a kind of prog rock folky band. Mm-hmm. And as he was going somewhere else, he was like, no shirt, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> just left. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's my memory of Ollie Truant. That's my, that's my claim to fame. That's my story. Okay. So let me, let me try and think of a nearly punched the fuck out of Beecher's singer. Do you remember that? Oh, right. Okay. We're going back a bit now. I don't remember you. I wasn't in the band then. Oh, man. Wait, wait, let, let, let's, lay, let's lay some foundation. Fuck him up. Let's, let's lay some foundation. Fa- wait, some before you do, can oh. you pass me the Kraken? Um, so I can put it in my pants. If you can pass me my beers while I'm sort of uh, like laying yeah, the foundation. Of course. Tell the story. And I'll, I'll tell the story. Bit. So, uh, me and Ben used to be in a band. Don't tell them the name. Called Don't Tell Them the Name. <laughs> called <laughs> Blood. Kill Your Blood in Your Face. Thanks, man. Um, uh, some people listening will know the band name, but that's fine. Whatever. And before I joined the band, uh, the one of the f- first times I saw you guys, you played with... Uh, you play this band from... I think they're from Brighton as well, called Beecher. Who I still quite like, by the way. Be- Beecher were... were oh, they're, they're a good band. What's up? Pepsi. Oh, go for it. Um, and yeah, there was a show I remember when I was just a fan of the band which Ben and I were in before I was in, whose name I can't say. Uh, they played a show at the Winchester Railway Inn with them. And yeah, that's the, the foundation for the story. What happened next, Ben? <laughs> Fun so times. The, the, first of all, the headlining band were hiding with girls. Oh, I remember that. And yeah. something really funny happened. So Tom Larue was um, uh, the promoter, A friend of ours, by yeah. the way. Yeah, really, really fucking funny guy. He was the promoter of the show, right? Yeah, we turned up at Winchester Railway. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Well, you have to share. Come on, Ben. Compose yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This better be funny, mate. <laughs> mate, it's so fucking funny. So you got a picture of Tom back back in the day. You know he's wearing like skin tight jeans, a really skin tight t shirt that's far too small for him, studded belt. You know, fucking slick down emo hair. I mean, I, I that was my look. No, no, but well. he he was like he took it to another fucking level, dude. He was you, you could tell like oh I know exactly what music you listen to when I I could name you ten bands that you love, and he come up to me and he goes. I can't find the singer of Hiding With Gaze. Has anyone seen the singer of Hiding With Gaze? And he was standing right fucking behind him. (laughs) Oh dear. And this fucking guy was so fucking cool about it because I can't remember his name actually, the singer of Hiding With Gaze, but... You need to call him Hiding With Girls, Ben. He he was receding and I remember always watching, when I used to watch them play live and they had the light above the stage, I was like... That guy's losing his fucking hair. Not that that's a bad thing, but that's what he's to focus on. Right. And uh, then when Scuzz, the uh, music channel, came out, he had his own... He was the host of one of the shows on that. And um, I remember, is he going bald? He's definitely going bald. I was like, this guy's awesome. Like, he, he was a really good host. Yeah, I have to find out his name. You know, props to him. Yeah. But um, Hiding With Gaze, that was fucking Girls, hilarious. Ben. No, what Tom said. Right, okay. Anyway, so the story was with this Beecher show. This is a Christian podcast, Ben. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm being silly. Oh, it just completely fucking just threw a wrench in my fucking dialogue then. We were talking about hiding with girls. Yeah, so uh, the, the, the lineup was 
hiding with gays headlining beach are below them (laughs) and we we were meant to open for them you did open for them yeah yeah no but before like we actually like there was so because i was friends with tom and the girl the girl her name was Gemma. Yemma and she was the one that fucked um, Ollie Truen. Like, um, <laughs> some of you may know her. She's a, no, she's a prick. Like, she's an <sighs> evil. No, listen to me. Listen to me. She's an evil, evil person. But that's besides the point. You were telling a story here. But I haven't. She's kind of. Put, I haven't uttered a word to her in years. And every time she sees me, she gives me dirty looks. And okay. I'm just like you don't. We don't really know each other anymore. Yeah, but it's not important. And come here, Yemma, and let me ask you about Ollie Truen. Where, where's the story? Anyway, going? listen. So me and Yemma fell out, and. At that point, the band had only recorded the first EP, so we had four songs. Yeah. Yep. But we had we had more. Obviously, we had the second EP's worth of, or maybe not maybe by then. Had, no, you had like the first EP and like a couple of songs. Yeah, maybe. Old yeah. Ones before that. So it's funny you're telling me the history of the band that I used to be in. But I was I, a fan I, of that. I don't band, fucking mate. know it. I was in it after you. Yeah. And I've got a memory with music yeah. and bands I've in. Like, um, believe. So. Me and Gemma fell out, or something. Something I can't exactly remember what it was, but Gemma also knew other members of the band that we were in, and it was like this weird thing. And anyway, it was advertised in Metal Hammer, and I remember it being in Metal Hammer. And I, I remember phoning Tom up and going, "Dude, what the fuck? Why can't we be on this bill?" And he goes, "I'll put you back on." Cool as fuck, Tom is. He was just like, "I put you back on." So we turn up, and we're opening the show, right? And it's packed in there. And it's a small venue, but it's fucking packed. I know. I was there, there. Was, there was three people there. No, it was packed. It I was, was there. fucking packed. And we, I think we played an all right set. And um, when I came off, so so first of all, when you go to Winchester Row Inn, you've got the pub and then you've got like a corridor where the toilets are. And then you've got the venue, got the, venue the little room at the back. And uh, to get into the venue, you have to queue up in that, in that corridor. And... Being like, I thought I could just walk into the side door. It's like I'm in one of the bands, so can I just come through the side door? No, no, you need to go through the front. So I had to queue up to get in. And uh, the singer of Beecher was walking up and down the fucking. His name was Ed. Okay. Was walking up and down the 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 thing, and straight away, like I'm very good at judging why people do certain things, and he was blatantly just trying to be like, everyone recognise me. You know, he had his trucker hat on, and as soon as he came out the door, he took his trucker hat off, and he had walked down, and he, and he did it five or six times, right? Yeah. I didn't say a word to him. I, I just thought straight away, this guy's a fucking pussy hound or whatever. So we get in there, we play our set. I think it went really well. You know, um, I've got kind of a negative attitude about most things, but when we played a good set, I was I was happy, yeah? Yeah, of course. I think we played a pretty good set. It went down well. The sound was fucking excellent. Sound engineer that day was brilliant. Yeah, this is... The, the, this is a long time ago. It's like what two thousand five, perhaps maybe four, yeah. Four? Yeah, I mean, I was there, and like this was before I ended up joining the band, and I was like, yeah, these guys are, yeah, they're all right, you know. Yeah, pretty good. Might just fucking worm my way Might in just there. Try and join them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fucking take it over. Indeed. Hostile takeover. Um. So after we get off, right? There's like every every everyone that promoted the show is like whispering and shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, everyone's... No one's coming up to me and talking to me, but they're kind of looking and, you know, whispering, and it's very, mm-hmm. very weird. And I go up to Tom, and I'm like, what, what's going on? And I can't remember who... Because it was so long ago, dude. I can't remember exactly how I found out, but the singer of Beecher was taking the piss out of us while we were playing because of Ryan. Right. 
Was that Beecher or was that one of the opening bands? We were the opening band. It was the singer of Beecher. Are you sure? Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to go and say something to him because I think that's massively disrespectful. Like there, there was always, I remember like when bands used to come out, like Days in December, for example, when Days in December came I remember out. them. Fucking wicked band. They came out and we were like, they're good, but we didn't We didn't used to listen to them to appreciate their music. We used to listen to them to see how good we were in comparison to them. And if we play with them, we blow them off. Mm. That kind of thing. That was always the attitude back then. I'm, I'm not sure what it's like now. You, you know. I didn't really think about it. No, I, I guess it's different. But, you know, being a local band and you're striving to sort of fucking get in Kerrang or whatever. Yeah. Um, but... I was like, that's so fucking disrespectful because Beecher were a really good band. Their drummer is fucking insanely good. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to their first two albums. First one wasn't that good. Second one was brilliant. Fucking brilliant. It was on Earache Records, I think. Um, They had a few albums, didn't they? Their, that, second, their second one with the sort of, that was produced by Kurt Ballou from yeah yeah that was, that's a really good yeah, record. Yeah, Convert, yeah. So it was, awesome. it was insane. Like they, they just, and they, they, they produced and uh, accomplished some really good things with yeah. that one album. You know, they got a Metal Hammer feature and all this kind of stuff. And this is the kind of thing that, you know, sort of dreams are made of. And it's kind of, when you're in that position, to be shitty to the people that are below you, like the bands that are just trying to get to that point where they can record an album with someone like her. Oh, it's, it's, it's a fucking like awful that. thing to do. Yeah, it, it's, it's fucking awful. So I was literally, that was that was my opinion even back then. And I was like, I'm going to go and fucking say something to this guy. And Tom was like, don't do that. Or it's, someone was telling me, I don't, I'm not sure if it was Tom or not, but someone was saying, don't do that. Don't don't go and talk to him. Because they knew what I was like. And I would just go up to him and say, you're a fucking dick or whatever. You should probably just shrug it off, to be honest. You can't win over everyone all the time. No, but that's not the point. The point is not, you know, just if, if you don't like something, if you don't like music in particular, you just don't listen to it. True, but like, I mean, if... Uh would going did going up and did you speak to him I assume you did no no you didn't no. would going up and speaking to him have solved that would that have changed his mind see this is one of those scenarios where I think there, it could if you did it in a certain way well, but no, maybe I, the Ben way if, the if Ben I, approach if, if no um, well I don't know what that is what's that I heard you said this about so and then being a bit sort of you know, confrontational and... No, I literally would have said, you got something to fucking say. Yeah, And then I would have said, and then I would have said, I think it's fucking highly disrespectful that you're treating a band that's lesser than you, that's only got four songs released and you've got two albums released. You should be setting an example as a pioneer and like a, um, a role model for mm-hmm. bands like us. Because when, when I when I was accepted onto this, this, um, this show... And I saw that I was supporting Beecher, who I love. I've spent money on your album. I've bought your EP and your second album. Yeah. And I respect you and I play your music and I enjoy your music. I think that to meet you and find out you're a bit of a prick is heartbreaking. I mean, you should be coming up and going, good set, guys. Like I used to do to other people. Mm. When we when we used to headline... Or that, that, not, sorry, that sentence just makes me shudder. What? Good set, guys. Or whatever. You no, know. no, 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 no. The reason I'm saying it is because it's just one of those things you just say, isn't it? Like every time someone comes up to me when I've been when I'm playing a set, they go, "Oh, good set, guys." I'm like, "Yeah, but it makes well, a difference." That, that word. But yeah, okay, but I mean, say the fucking Cole, Cole Saunders come up to you from Nile, and when we saw you play, that was that was really good. I'll be like, "Move aside, old man. This is the future." Yeah, go study Egypt, you fat <laughs> brick, or whatever. But you know, it's just like it's it's 
it, it's just respect. It's just it's just a baseline it's, level yeah, of respect. Yeah, it's, it's I'm not expecting the guy to suck my dick. No, but it's polite, isn't it? I, yeah. I know I know what you're saying. But, but to to come off stage and find out that while we were playing, there was like a group of those elitist motherfuckers at the back taking the piss out of us. I found that very, and I would have taken them all on. I wouldn't have given a fuck verbally, <laughs> but it. I just I just find that so disrespectful. Yeah, it is. It's 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 not. It's 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 lame. It's stupid. And I'll tell shit. you on the and, like, flip personally, side. Personally, like me, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, like, of course you would. I mean, and I didn't do. Th- I never did that. I've played never. with some bad bands in the bef- before, but I wouldn't like sit there and sort of like openly yeah. take the piss out of them. You just sort of take it, and you're like, okay, well, this yeah. is where they're at now. Whatever. And like, on the flip side of that, let me tell you another story, um, which is the exact opposite. Um, which changed my opinion of when the you guy. were taking the piss out of a band playing and they no, came no, no, up to no, you no, and no, you're no, like no. Why are you d- same venue it was an all day and uh-huh. Mahamodo were headlining ah yes Mahamodo and at the time it was when we first made the band so you well weren't in it at that point I don't think you were even born at that point <laughs> so, <laughs> but we were called something different and it was a really embarrassing name oh I know the name right don't say it no Depends if if you say something fucked up, I will I will just lay out and say all the band names. Okay, well the band was called Filibuster. Filibuster, right? <laughs> and it was the other singer because he was politically sort of like orientated, and I, and when he came up with we should call the band Filibuster, I was like, what the fuck is that? It was called that before you were in it though, Ben. Yeah, but after my band broke up and I joined, okay, we went to see Mahamodo headline an all day at Winchester Railway Inn, and I cornered Medi outside the singer yeah the singer from Mahamodo fucking cool guy dude mm. and he asked me the name of the band and I, yeah. just, and I was embarrassed to tell him and I just went filibuster <laughs> and he just went oh cool man what yeah. kind of music and he was just like he gave me a minute of his day one hey. minute that was it yeah no I can agree with that and, and, to someone that, you know, and that's, just, that's the thing you should be trying to do in a band yeah so I know where you're coming from I had that same experience actually with uh, George Colias who's that drummer and Nile okay yeah. Don't expect me to know who that is. Oh, well, I thought you knew. How many drummers have they had? So the, the dog is bringing the bone closer to the microphone. Don't worry so. about it. He, he, he just need. This fuck is seven months old. Just picture a baby that's seven months old. Like, I want to be a part of the podcast. <laughs> well, we have a special guest this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Riley. Riley the just hound. smashing a bone onto the ground, yeah. crunching it as close to the microphone as you possibly can, Riley. Fucking dog. <laughs> Oh, he's looking at me now. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh shit. David fucked up. I've dude. looked at the dog, so now oh, the dog's shit. like going to try and get my attention. No. That's no? cool. Okay, he's walking off. Good job. Yeah, I, I planned that. So the drummer of Nile. Yeah. Have like, you told me this before? I don't know, but I was just talking to him and, you know, we, we were like me and uh, the drummer in my band at the time, we were just outside. There was a Nile show in London and we were just chatting to him and he was asking us questions and we were asking shit. him questions and it was just like a casual chat. It's almost like, oh my God. You're a normal person. Yeah. Like the rest of us. But how, yeah, and every time you listen to Niall now. And I'm going to name drop a band as well. Go on. The most nicest. Riley, please. Riley, I'm <laughs> trying to listen to this story. Can you fucking go away? <laughs> you, you see, you started now. <laughs> here he goes. Yeah, go on, carry on. I'm almost thinking, is it better to have the dog here? No, 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 no. Oh, fuck it. No. Oh my god, the no, dog's in. No, leave it, leave him, leave him. He'll chill out here. Down, down. Right, I'm going to take stay. a picture of what's going on at the moment. There we go. Let me kiss his nose. This podcast is spiralling out of control. Okay, stay. You, 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 you were psyching him up, Ben. I know, it's my fault. Go on, go on. Right, so uh, the most humble guys I've ever met and my, my favourite death metal band on the planet, 
so you know you don't get to hit to meet your heroes much and i detest hero worship as it is but these guys have definitely influenced my playing and my uh uh you know my musical aesthetics and they're a band we talked with for a week and a bit about two weeks uh, a couple of years ago ulcerate yeah i think those guys are like hanging out with them it, that's that's the way to act when you're in a band there's no ego there whatsoever mm-hmm. they're just like they'll hang out with you they'll chat to you and there's you know sometimes i'd have a few rums and i'd be like guys guys i just have to say such an honor to talk of you i'd make a complete twat out of yeah. myself and they'd be like yeah yeah cool cheers man you know yeah we're happy to be here yeah that's that's it and uh i think that's the way to be isn't it you know you need to get rid of any sort of sense of ego you know we're any band no matter how big they are they're not going to be big forever most of the time they have to come down they have to come down at some point i mean yeah. beecher for example they they released, go, yeah. well they released that album that third album yeah uh, but i would and then the third album like no one give a shit and that was it and, yeah i uh, think there was one good song on that album that i liked i can't remember it no and i can't remember how it but goes. um you know, that's not saying anything bad that the you know that's not saying that the, the, the songs were bad or anything like that what, what, what I'm trying to get at here is that you know the music industry has a way of eating its own young okay Ben's going after the dog <laughs> this is so hilarious yeah, but now he's going to whine and eat the bone but well, the bone's fine maybe he'll stop whining now he's had his attention but yeah like uh, what I was trying to say is that uh, I can't remember what the fuck I was yeah, trying to say yeah, the music industry eats its own young. So a band will get a small band, a young band will get quite large, and music industry will see that and be like, right, we can. These guys are naive and don't know what the fuck they're doing. We can take them for all their worth. We can completely take them apart. Yeah. And I imagine that's what happened to Beecher, and happened to a few other bands. I just think that Beecher maybe it might not have even been anything to do with that. I think they maybe just they they spiralled from the very immediate success they got from their second album. It's quite possible. Thought they could write any fucking shit they wanted. It's, it's quite possible, but like, uh, you know, I, I, I imagine that might be the case. They release a third album and it doesn't do as well as the label wants. Yeah. And then they lose all their backing, they lose everything and, yep. you know... I mean that happened. That's happened with quite a few bands. I mean, well, that, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, not not to mention any bands, but I remember um, I was so when my son was just about to be born, um, I had to be on the phone. I had to be ready to take a call from Rachel at any point. Yeah, because if she fucking dropped, I had to be there. I had to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I was at the the birth of my daughter I wanted to be there at the birth of my son as well of course it's just something had to be well, I didn't want to be one of those parents yeah I just didn't want to be one of those fucking parents where it's like you weren't even there when I was born um, so we went to London Monarch or the Barfly whatever the fuck it's called Barfly in Camden I don't, I don't know no, a venue called Monarch that's what it used to be called okay that was a long time ago yeah. Ben and I can't remember who it was we were going to see there, but Juliette Lewis was there. I don't know who that is. Went, oh, yes, that's a, uh, the lady from Invisible Noise, isn't it? Fuck no, she was a singer in a band. Oh, no, I'm thinking of uh, someone else completely. But she, Juliette Lewis is um, an actress. She was in Natural Born Killers, dude, with Woody Harrelson. I haven't seen that film. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> Juliette Lewis is a fucking I seen any films. A-list, very talented. And uh, I remember walking past her and going, oh, shit, Juliette Lewis. She went, hi, how are you? Hmm. I just went, I'm fucking awesome. Better for seeing you. And walked off. I was pissed. Yeah, the dog's just breaking in again. That's okay. Like, if he wants to come oh, in, fine. Get out. Get oh, shit. Oh, 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 oh. Riley, 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 Riley. Okay, this could go wrong very quickly. 
I'm being climbed on at the moment. Ah. So I think. Oh shit. Get down. Down. <laughs> yep. Sorry, guys. Just one second. I've got being climbed on by a dog. Sorry. So you can, you can stay there. You can stay there. If he calms down. He's not going to calm down. Okay. Well. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Oh, we are being attacked by a dog. <laughs> oh. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> we had to. Uh, we got attacked by the hound. We we got attacked, but literally attacked. Like the dog dived on me and with uh, his dick out. <laughs> he had his dick out. Yeah, oh, he did really did. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that sound. Uh, we were talking about uh, Juliet Lewis, natural born killer killers. I have no idea who that is. Apparently, I I feel like you, I should. no. You would know if you saw her. She was in California with Brad Pitt. I don't know what that. I don't I haven't seen that either. Uh, no, you'll know if you saw it, dude. Okay. Uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, I was I was there, and I had to I had to go outside and talk to Rachel because she phoned me. Right. And um, obviously, being inside a venue is not the the most ideal ideal place to be listening to a conversation when there's music blaring sure. in the background. So I went outside, and the guitarist of Eden Main was outside. I remember them. Yeah, they're a great band. Fucking aw- the the treachery pact was so good. Mm. Uh, Juliet Lewis. Are you talking to your phone? Yeah. I'm going to show you a picture These of Juliet. <laughs> so Is the- that Juliet Lewis responding to you? Yeah. <laughs> you know this bitch. Um, and I went outside on the phone and... Um, I have no idea who she okay. is. Anyway. <laughs> ben just showed me a picture and I have uh, um, absolutely no idea. And he was, he was on the phone as well, just further down, yeah. Who's he? Uh, the guitarist of Eden. Oh Main. right, okay, fine. And I was on the phone to Rachel, and I'm talking to her, talking to her. Talking to her Are you okay? You know, any you know contractions or anything? Waters haven't broken. Nothing's mm-hmm. you know your fanny hasn't broken yet. And then I hung up the phone. You don't hold back, do you, Ben? <laughs> no, I, I, I hang up the phone, and mate is. So I noticed that about five minutes before I hung up on Rachel, this dude's hung up on his phone, and he's just standing around. So when I hung up on mine, he comes over and he goes, you're, you're Ben from that band with two singers. Um, what you called? What you called? And then he said the name of the band. Uh, and I just went, oh shit, yeah. And I was like, you're the fucking guitarist of Eden Main. And I was like, I love your fucking band. And I, was, I, and I, was, I said to him, your EP, because they were just about to release their album. I was like, your EP has been on heavy rotation for, I'm not lying, two years. Mm. Two whole years. I still of, listen to it every now and yeah, then. Yeah, Cold Light, I reckon. Oh, the way that song awesome starts. Song, yeah. The fucking singer's tone, the production, everything. Cold Light by Eden Main, I guarantee. So I showed it to someone who was into um, Grindcore. So I used to work oh, yeah. with a guy that was into Grindcore. I used to I was, be well into Grindcore. But I showed him Eden Main, and he just went, it sounds like a mess. And I went, that's because you've got an untrained ear. Doesn't sound like it. Well, it sounds quite. He's, he's, he Quite goes like, rough and aggressive, and but it's melodic. Like yeah, but when you listen to it, when you listen to it over and over again, you hear that fucking those. Like I could, in my head, I can I know when that drummer is hitting the snare, double bass. I know when he's doing that sp- sporadic double bass shit that he does. Mm. The singer's tone, the guitar, everything is fucking amazing. Another EP produced by Kurt Blue from Converge, right? He produced that. Yeah, hmm. and I remember just just being and I sat I stood there in a conversation with him for forty five minutes. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and he was nice as fuck. It's almost like, you know, some of these guys in bands are normal people, aren't they? Yeah, but... So when you do get that right, one person so, who's... So, 
Here's my philosophy. Oh, go on. It's time for Ben's philosophy hour. Ben's philosophy hour. Picture me <laughs> sitting in a suit by a fireplace. I'm halfway there. I'm by a fireplace when I'm sitting in a suit. Um, I've got a pair of shorts on, no pants, and my balls might hang outside. Yeah. But um, my philosophy is that everyone in their life does stuff that they think is cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Yeah. But you have to understand that there are other people in life doing the same thing that you're doing that also think it's cool. Mm-hmm. And when they meet people that are a little bit cunty, they kind of lose a little bit of love for the things that they do. So every time you're horrible to someone in your profession, where, uh, in your hobby, for example, like in a band. Mm-hmm. So say someone is a fucking massive fan of Ages of Oblivion, right? And they come to I'm a sure show someone is. <laughs> and they meet you and you're fucking out of order, you're having a bad day and you're out of order to them, they're never going to listen to you the same way again, ever. And it's just one little interaction oh, I know that you've that. had with them. Yeah, No, I know that, and but, I would never do that. So, people think, you know, let's, let's use Beecher as an example, yeah? That, that guy, the singer of Beecher, you know, not an overly talented, he hasn't got like a very wide range, he, had, he was very one-dimensional, yeah? His singing voice was awful. It wasn't very good. No, no, he wasn't a very good singer. But for for the kind of stuff they were doing, it was good. You know, I, I still enjoyed still enjoyed it. But after that experience, I never listened to them the same way again. I still bought their third album, and yeah. you know. But um, my point here is that everyone does stuff that they think is cool, and when you let that cool vibe go, sort of enhance your ego, it makes you become pretentious. I'd say the the one rule from this is don't be an arsehole. But it's not be that empathetic. simple. But well, it's I'm not sure, that sure it is. Like the, 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 the basis of it is don't be a dick. Be nice to people. Understand people. Be empathetic. You know, if uh, there's a band, you know, in, in you know my experience, and I've, well, we've played with some bad bands before, but, I mean, I wouldn't go up to them and you know, I wouldn't take the piss out of them while, you know, a lot of times these are local bands as well. Yeah. Like you'll be playing a show with, like, local artists and things and they're not always very good and for me to stand there in their town and be like what a load of nonsense mm. like who the fuck does that except for fucking sociopaths well this you know? so i'll give you an example right so let's go from music to literature i'm big into literature so are you this is true but this is gonna be a quick story Okay. There's a there's a so when I was into like the zombie genre, like the post apocalyptic sort of uh, novels, when they're done right, they're done fucking really well. So Cormac McCarthy, who was the guy that did No Country for Old Men, he also did a, a book called The Road, and it is the most bleak post apocalyptic book you will ever read. I remember watching the film. About the him. film made me cry. Dude. Really, I found it quite underwhelming. Oh my god, the film. Yeah, but until you have a kid, you you won't get it. Yeah, so um, on an emotional level, it hit me. It, it struck that vibe. Okay. Yeah, and he wrote it for his son. Um, so there's a uh, an author called Craig DeLouis. Okay. And he wrote um, two books. One's called the um, the Infection. The other one's called the Killing Floor, and they are by far the most superior zombie novels you will ever read. They're fucking incredible. Right? I don't think I could bring myself to read a zombie novel. No, 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 but they're monsters. So, the, the story starts in a school, okay? A teacher writing an equation on a board, 
And suddenly, there's a scream somewhere else in the school. And 50% of the population on the earth fall down screaming. Right? Okay. So that means that like 20 people in his math class just start falling down. And they're, as they're falling, they're hitting their heads on tables and they're screaming on the floor and they're pissing themselves. They look out the window, there's planes falling from the sky, cars crashing. It's like this weird shit. Everyone that screams... Mm-hmm. They they call it seals and it's a uh, it's an anagram of something I can't the symptom I can't remember what okay. it is, but three days later they wake up and then these fucking violent, you know, and zombies. What, yeah, it, but it's a mutation. So there's these weird Lovecraftian monsters that exist and these thing called hoppers. Okay, and they're these albino monkeys that have really weird like cricket legs. So when they walk, they look like they're people on like. Bikes that are too small. You know when you're on a bike that's too small and your knees are really high up and shit. Yep. I'm doing the action. (laughs) You literally are, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, they're they're like this, but they've got a tail that's a stinger. And if they sting you with that, then they put a spawn in you that grows inside your body and takes all your nutrients like a baby and then fucking rips itself out. And it's it's a a fucking hopper. Yeah, it's a parasitic sort of thing. But then there's these big fucking giant monsters and shit. Anyway, he wrote these two books, and they're fucking brilliant, and I love them, and I bought them on audiobook, and they're, they're literally the best zombie... If they were turned into films, they would be fucking well above 28 Days Later and Night of the Living Dead and all that bollocks. Yeah, I'm sure someone's going to make a film out of it and fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But then he wrote... Um, he's written quite a few novels, and then he wrote... He just released one, and I contacted him on Facebook. This is last year beginning of last year maybe even the year before that and I was like I've just purchased your <coughs> bless you sorry I just need under whose authority <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, Satan's yeah um, I messaged him and I was like I loved your infection book and I loved your killing joke book and mm-hmm. you know but uh, and killing joke um, uh, killing floor killing sorry floor. Right. Um, and I've seen you just release a new book I've just ordered it I can't wait to read it I'm not going to tell you what the book's called. And he was just like, cheers, dude. Let me know what you think. So he's that he's he's at that level at the moment where he's so underappreciated in that genre, that horror genre, that sort of like horror zombie genre, where he will reply to someone like me on Facebook that's just messaging him going, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy a new book. Yeah, for now. <laughs> so I bought his new book and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't message him going, your fucking new book shit. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I just I just couldn't grasp it. And I'm sure maybe five years down the road or whatever, I'll read it again and I'll think it's fucking awesome. But I didn't like it and I never got back to him. Mm. Even though he said, let me know what you think. Like, he wanted that confirmation that he had done a good job. He was, And it wasn't a zombie novel. It wasn't like the third in an installment or whatever. It was like this different thing. I never got back to him. He never contacted me, but I never contacted him and said, that book is maybe a little bit shit. Because who the fuck am I? Who am I to tell him that his his stuff is shit? Do you know what I mean? I think it's very difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes when you go see like a friend's band or something and you know people ask you for your honest opinion, the thing I always say is like, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear or do you want me to tell you what I think? And you you are walking a tightrope there, aren't yeah. you? Like, so you do have to be careful. But I think, yeah, it's it's one of those factors where there's if you're going to give critique to someone, not criticism, critique. There's ways of doing it, you know. 
say what you like about it first, for yeah. example, and then say, but I think this was, and then give suggestions how, what you think would make it better. Like it's, it's stuff like that, but you know, openly taking the piss or just saying this is shit, I don't like it. Then yeah, but that's, always that's underline that. All, always underline that with, but listen, man, you're fucking creating something from nothing. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, admirable like that's well, a course. cool thing to do like well, it's um, a piece of your brain it's a piece of your mind isn't yeah, it it's a piece of your psyche your like, emotion your consciousness that I, is what we're listening I, I to i remember sitting there when we re- released our first album which is you know our first album's okay don't put it down man compared to the stuff we're writing now it's, yeah but it's, it's always going to be like that isn't it no, of, of course yeah you're, you're going to evolve you're going to expand but you know the, one point my point was is when we first recorded it and wrote it and recorded it and it was out there you know, I remember sitting there and just thinking, you know, this is a piece of my imagination yeah. that people are reacting to and thinking yep. to. And you kind of sit there and think about it and it's just, it's, you know, it's quite a cool concept, I guess. Um, but I think, uh, you, you know, if you're if you're in any sort of like expressive sort of art form, whether it's literature or music or painting or art of any kind, you have to do it for yourself. You can't expect people to like it. You have to just, you know, if you're, if you're going to be doing anything for people to like you you're you're setting yourself up for a fool because yeah. you're going to there's going to be that one comment someone's going to say and you're going to you know a negative comment or a critique and you're going to focus on that rather than ignoring the things the good things people have said so that's why you always have to do it for yourself but on that note i think this ends part one okay of this podcast cool because we've gone for over an hour now okay a lot of that yeah, was we got attacked by the dog hound. attack. Fucking bastard dog. <laughs> he's chilled out now. He's disappeared. Well, he's around the corner fucking a bone or something. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. But that's fine. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, join us again for part two, me and Benjamin. It's going to be fun. See you in a bit. Laters. Ah!